1: filtered news
0: real news welcome everyone to the tory says show i'm your host tory so today is september 12th 2019 and it's thursday And we had a very busy beginning of the week. And today is kind of lullish, which means ramp up. It's kind of like waves. You know when waves go, it's like that part where the wave draws back. And it's kind of like it's really drawing back. And you're like, why is it drawing back so far? And then it comes, right? This is what we're seeing now. Every Monday through Friday, 12 to 2 Eastern time live, I'm here on Red State Talk Radio giving you guys news that you probably won't get anywhere else. Uh, If you go by what the mainstream media has, you're pretty much walking like a zombie uh, (laughs) through life and not understanding um, what really is going on around us. Uh, So today... I wanted to just kind of touch base and skim over a few things. I know a lot of you want to hear about Flynn. Uh, We've already talked about Flynn and what we're seeing now is stuff that we already said was going to happen months and months and months ago. But one thing that I wanted to do today, aside from touch base on what happened with Bolton, just touch base, not in depth, touch base and see what Iran has to say about I want to show you guys how the left has now ramped up their efforts and 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 really really big efforts to silence facts, promote false narratives, okay? Promote false narratives. And they're revisiting this impeachment thing cuz now they've realized they're definitely not winning 2020. And they've definitely realized that there are a lot of sealed indictments that are coming after them. Coming after what they own. Coming after the fact that accountability is at their doorstep. And accountability for things that happened prior to the 2016 elections. Things that happened during the Obama administration. I'm going to say this again. The word impeachment. What we have to remember is that we can and we will be impeaching a president, but it will not be President Donald J. Trump because we can always re- retroactively impeach always. So where do we start today? I think maybe we should start with what the president is telling us. So the president... uh this morning has been busy uh, retweeting and tweeting things that have to do with money, that have to do with China, right? That have to do with how butthurt the left is and how um, they're ramping up their narrative again. So first things first, President Trump tweeted out that the European Central Bank acting quickly, cuts rates, 10 basis points. They're trying and succeeding in depreciating the euro against the very strong dollar, hurting our U.S. exports, and the Fed sits and sits and sits. They get paid to borrow money while we're paying interest. Again, another attack on Jerome Powell, who, you know, I would, it would, let me, it sucks to be Jerome Powell. I mean, Imagine having the President of the United States bashing you for not doing your job the way the President wants you to. Now, there's two things here. Sometimes he bashes on people not to bash them, bash them, but to bring attention. And again, we talk about the economy, we talk about the fiat currency, we've talked about how they're planning to create a synthetic homogenous currency that will have decentralized power. um, Well, it will be centralized, actually, but it will be taken away, how's that, from every single nation on the planet. These discussions are going full speed ahead. And yet, our Federal Reserve, the private company that dictates money flow, let's get things out there, right, Um, is not helping... The country that created this fake currency. So it's kind of like I gave birth to you and you're not working for me. You're working for everybody else. What are you doing? So we need to be paying attention to that because right after he tweets that out, he says it's expected that China will be buying large amounts of our agricultural products. Interesting. Back to back. And we know that China will be purchasing products from us because they're trying to find some middle ground, middle ground between the trade war that the U.S. has waged upon them. And trade war, meaning not that we're fighting them, but we're defending ourselves, okay? Because everyone keeps talking about this as if President Trump is attacking China. In fact, he's defending us in a war that we've just been sitting there and getting bashed economic war right and have done nothing for so long he's literally defending the nation now on top of that back to back same hour he 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 voices out how we have some very big court wins in regards to the border lately border still a problem still something the left is pushing And that is something that we're winning on as well. And again, reiterating that the bottom line here is, is that the Democrats have never gotten over the fact that our president won the election, period. And so, you know, just like Democrat Al Green said, we can't beat him, so let's impeach him. What are you going to impeach him on? Impeach him on creating jobs? Impeaching on what? You can't. And the narrative of this Russia, 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 like he says, and he retweeted, it should have been over with the Mueller report. Even though, And you know what? They've given so much applaud and so much love toward Robert Mueller, who is the most corrupt person I have seen. I mean, how many times does something have to be stated as a coincidence? How many times do you have to see the same names come up over and over and over again before you're like, well, hold on a second. The United States of America has like 400 million people, has, you know, hundreds of thousands, federal employees, lawyers, you know, FBI agents, CIA agents, everything. Right. So then why are the same names coming up throughout history constantly? And we're going to visit that in the second hour because we're going to talk about Bush, we're going to talk about Osama bin Laden. We're going to talk about money, money, money. And guess what? Robert Mueller again. And this is before he became FBI director in 2001, how he was involved in Osama bin Laden too, but specifically money that Bush was linked to. So we'll get into that in the second half. Now, I wanted to start um, the show with discussing things that are pretty much news we're seeing first that we have a rabid attack against Israel again and now this is on all fronts so we've got social media attacking Israel and we've got this article from Politico that was dropped that the Prime Minister of Israel came out and literally called fake news literally said this is fake it's not happening so first Let's remember, okay, social media. So, you know, the left for some reason is applauding censorship that comes through big tech. As long as the people they don't like and as long as the views that they don't agree with are censored, they're super happy about it. Now... We all know that the majority of the censorship is happening to conservatives, happening to anyone that is able to crush their narrative, coming to, you know, and it's happening to people that are bringing the truth. It's kind of like the way that they throw roadblocks. It it is. It is, in fact, a roadblock. It is, in fact, putting on blinders for anyone that enters into the cyberspace to, 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 to learn, to, to gain knowledge, right? That's what they're doing. They're putting on blinders. So they have started confronting any ideas and silencing any person's ideas, articles, pictures, whatever it is that they believe should not be out there. And then when you ask them why it shouldn't be out there, they can respond by not responding and telling you, because we said so. Now, censorship in the cyberspace ether won't stop from one day to another. We saw it start with Milo Yiannopoulos where this fake dogpiling, you know, um, you know, claim was made and they banned him. Then we see Laura Loomer, who was only spewing out facts, right? Spewing out facts, banned, not only from social media, but from consumer-facing services, from banking to just regular travel services and enjoyable services. Same thing happened to Alex Jones. I mean, that's what happens. And the left applauds it because Yep, it's not me, and we don't need to listen to that. It's all like hate. We don't need that hate. Let's just shield ourselves. Grab a box of crayons and turn it off. Why silence someone? This is the United States of America. We have the right to say what we want because that is how you express your thoughts. Freedom of speech is freedom of expression of thoughts. So what in essence they're doing is if your thoughts don't align with ours, you don't have the right to talk about it, express it in your clothing, express it in your hair or anything. You're just not allowed to. So even the Washington Examiner had applauded censorship of people they said are not really conservative. That's, that's basically what they said uh, because <laughs> they're conservative. The Washington Examiner is conservative, conservative lefties, right? So today, the chat feature that the verified page of the Israeli prime minister, so Benjamin Netanyahu's official Facebook page, was suspended for 24 hours. So Facebook censored the prime minister of Israel for 24 hours because they broke their rules on hate speech, supposedly. So now, not only are they censoring you and I from what we can say and what we can post, but they're doing this to leaders of nations now. Imagine Zuckerberg supposedly a Jew, too. Maybe he's as big of a Jew as, you know, (laughs) the Maxwells and Epstein, right? That kind of Jew. The self-loathing, nefarious, I pretend to be a Jew. Because real Jews don't do things like that. I'm just saying. So if you thought that it just happens to people, it's happening to politicians globally. Netanyahu is a world political figure and it was done with not even, you know, any consideration. I mean, Twitter had even considered once, if you remember, and they still are, censoring President Trump because they say so. Now, here's the thing. Do you know, the prime minister of Israel's page was censored because the page supposedly said that voters should avoid creating a government composed of Arabs who want to destroy us. All women, children, and men. And that's true. I mean, I talked about Osama bin Laden's official. Okay, let me, let me hide this here. So back in 1999, Osama bin Laden was one of the most wanted people of the United States of America, the most wanted, because of what he did in Somalia, what he did at our um, base in Saudi Arabia, and then the bombings at the two U.S. embassies. I mean, they were after him like crazy. And for some reason, again, public international, public enemy number one, Osama bin Laden, had given an exclusive face-to-face interview with ABC. So ABC was in the presence of Osama bin Laden and the government, the U.S. government, didn't know about it. They didn't follow them. I mean, I would say that ABC committed treason by doing that, but hey, that's just me. So when they met with him, Osama clearly stated that their objective is to eliminate every single Jew on the planet. He said that during his interview, and that is a fair assessment. Now, there are many in the um, Islam, uh, many Islam nations that are just like, you know, they're so over it right now. They're like, whatever, just leave it alone. They're not bothering us. We can all really coexist. There are Islam nations like Saudi Arabia because they're actually working together. Right. They co-sponsored and funded a railway that goes from Israel to Saudi Arabia. So, yes, they can work together. It's all about getting over it. Kind of like evolving. Just like we have as human beings, you know, back in the day, it was okay to hang people in the square. No, it's not because we change our perspectives as we evolve as social beings and as we evolve as people, right? And grow and the more intelligent and more access we have to science and facts and, and more educated in general that we are, uh, to be able to understand our being, our perceptions change. But one perception that hasn't changed is the fanaticized Muslims. And I've said this before. Think about this very carefully. When you have Muslims, even radical ones, okay? We're talking crazy ones, super jihadis. When the super jihadis don't want to play with the Turks, That means the Turks are beyond super jihadi. They're just like, all right, we're jihadis, but you're like crazy jihadi and we're not doing business. Think about it. The Turks are not involved in any conversation whatsoever when it comes to Islam, when it comes to the Arab nations. They are excluded because they're super jihadis and they're like on the crazy level jihadi because blowing yourself up isn't crazy enough, right? It's not. But being Turkish and doing whatever is, I want you guys to 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 digest that and understand it just how important what I'm telling you is because this is coming to the forefront very very soon because for some reason, the super duper jihadis are are members in NATO, okay just remember that, okay, just remember that so we have. Censorship going crazy against Israel. And his page was censored because he said, we don't need Arabs that want to destroy us, which is true. And what's incredible is, you know, that today, early in the morning, Politico put out a report saying that the Israeli government was accused of planting mysterious spy devices near the White House. Now, they said, and I quote, Based on detailed forensic analysis, the FBI and other agencies working on the case felt confident that Israeli agents had placed the devices according to the former officials, several of whom served in top intelligence and national security posts. The report said, citing anonymous sources, the timing of Netanyahu's Facebook page being censored and him being silenced. And then the insane Politico article. I mean, Politico is like the epitome of fake news lately. I mean, super fake news. CNN is fake news too I mean they just hired this crazy chick um, That used to work for Vice News To be on their show And Brian Stetler was all excited Like oh my gosh she's coming on Anyway so, <laughs> so now they're pushing To say that Israel Spied on the White House And it's saying that Many of them served in top intelligence and national security positions um, that stated this, which sounds like salty people trying to frame narratives. And, you know, it really sucks. Sometimes I think about it. Oh, my gosh. If I was President Trump, I wouldn't know if I was coming or going. Like I would literally not listen to anyone. My cabinet would be me, myself and I because I wouldn't be able to trust anybody. I feel So horrible sometimes because when I see the news going, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how is he how does he parse through all this BS? I mean, he had Bolton and he still has Brian Hook, which you know, we're gonna talk about on Friday. He has all these people that are holdovers to the to the establishment Republican regime and the Democrats. I mean, how does he move forward? Now, obviously Israel the Prime Minister himself, came out and refuted the report almost instantly. Clearly said this is a blatant lie. The Israeli government, under Netanyahu at least, as far as we know, does not engage in any U.S. intelligence operations against the United States of America. And that directive is strictly enforced With no exceptions. And I believe that. Because President Trump has thrown so much support behind the nation of Israel. That there is no way, no way, that they would betray that trust and support in any shape or form. Okay? That is 100% the way it is. Now, Axios reported on the fact that Netanyahu denied that uh, Israel spied on President Trump's administration. And basically, Politico that put out the report said that FBI and other U.S. intelligence agencies believed that Israel was behind, planting, you know devices and intercepting cell communications, etc. Now, I'm going to tell you this, okay? Let's pretend that's kind of true. Let's just pretend, right? I would totally, totally believe that BB and and President Trump were like, yo, can you help me out? Because I really need to see what these clowns are doing. So can you, like, get in there? Like, if that was something, like, if there's, like, actual evidence, I'm just saying – I don't believe it, but if there was, I totally believe that plot as opposed to Israel spying on the U.S. for nefarious objectives. I would think, hey, we've got this technology and they don't know about it. Maybe we can, yeah, 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 tell me what Coates is saying. Tell me what this clown is saying. And, you know, they talk like little girls in the back. Not saying that they do, but I totally believe that. And that would be something that would fly through my mind if I was president Uh, and I was under attack every single day. Like while this man is sleeping, you know, there's probably someone there Staring at him and just waiting to pounce. That's how I feel. That's how I feel my president lives. That he is constantly under attack and it breaks my heart to think that he lives like that. That he wakes up in the morning and looks at that glass next to his bed and thinks, should I drink it or will it kill me? That if he goes to the doctor to get an aspirin, he's, he's thinking, is this really an aspirin or did they swap it with something else? Because that is the reality. They are so insane. They're foaming at the mouth right now because he's still president. And they're also foaming at the mouth because we're gaslighting them by like, yeah, let's have him for a third term. We're game. And they're just like, no, no, because if he wins 2020, they might actually pass a law to let them have Trump for a third term. And that would be hilarious. Um, And I would totally be behind it, to be honest with you. But personally, I would prefer – um. A Trump child. Um, I would say more Eric than Donald. I'm Don Jr. I like Eric more uh, on the fact that he's uh, a little bit more square. And I like the fact that he's a little bit more square. He's like his dad um, in that sense. The squareness. But he's uh, very loyal and uh, reserved like his mom. So, you know, a man of few words... And square. So I kind of like it. Even though he says a lot behind closed doors. Make sense? Okay. So now that we have this attack going on in Israel, you have to think to yourself, right? Why? When did it happen? So just so you guys know, the Prime Minister of Israel saw this article drop by Politico when he was on his way to Russia to meet with Vladimir Putin. And so... Almost instantly, while he's on the plane, <laughs> reading this, they were like, It's a lie, a complete lie. And when he landed in Russia, BB also reiterated that to the news cameras when he arrived in Russia, saying that the spying allegations are a complete fabrication. And he even stressed that he literally gave orders to not spy on the U.S., and he's made sure that those orders are kept. And he said that on camera, too. So not only did he do it in writing, but he did it on camera. He was really PO'd, basically, because he took it up a notch and continued on it. Now, uh, right after the break, I just want to talk about um, how the Google Insider actually provided information uh, showing that the company has created algorithms to hide p- its political bias on the platforms and how it manipulates uh, the perception of searches and to, to to align with its ideologies. I mean, we see it if we compare searches on Google and DuckDuckGo too, right? So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about um, Iran before we get into, you know, how the Bushes funded 9-11. Uh, yeah, they did.
3: 800-961-9194, promo code State. Put sleepless nights behind you with MyPillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own.
5: For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com.
4: Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed.
0: All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory says show. Uh, so before we delve into Iran and their response to Bolton that I want to discuss, um, I wanted to talk about Google. So we all know this Google insider that, um, spoke with, um, James O'Keefe, uh, with Project Veritas, um, many, many times about the past couple of weeks, um, And obviously to conceal their identity, uh, they have, you know, obfuscated what he looks like, right? So we don't know what he looks like. But what he did was he actually sent um, a laptop, which the laptop, here's why it's important. You'll be like, well, if he's not connected to the internet, it's not going to intranet, it's not going to give us anything. Well... See, cyber forensics can actually trace and go up a couple levels with just the information you have on your computer to see where it derived from or find any fragments of data that may be with it. So there was a computer that was sent out to the Department of Justice um, last week. And so they received it last week and um, apparently... uh, The Justice Department will have the evidence along with documentation that was provided uh, that Google has indeed been manipulating the algorithms and evidence of how it's done, like providing that proprietary information. Now, first of all, I just want to say, I'm totally for slamming Google for not being honest and as a public service uh, utility, you would say a search utility, but are they or are they private? You know, it's really sketchy territory right here. Um, you know, it could be considered um, a concern in uh, infringing of intellectual property and, you know, giving away secret, you know, uh, formulas of codes. So, you know, I'm speaking on both sides, right? I'm saying, you know, this is a problem for the guy that handed it over because does he get immunity from being sued? Not really because it's proprietary information, right? But anyway, uh the Google CEO if you remember, uh last year was at the House Judiciary Committee and he was like, "No, our search engine is totally not biased." And the thing is, was he under oath? Can be Can he be thrown in jail for lying? I I don't know. I mean, that's 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 something we should ask. But what the CEO had explained is that um It's not offensive to people that are on the right. And, you know, AI doesn't think like that. It's all black and white. It doesn't discern. That's what he said. And, you know, it's all about what's popular and how other people are using it. In essence, he's saying, if we believe that it's popular to talk about great things about Hillary Clinton, then that's what's going to come up on search first. You know, that's where the language makes all of the difference. Okay, very smart. Uh, and so uh, he said even if, you know, the people that were doing the programming were anti-Republican, of course, because they're all immigrants and they all come from other countries and they may or may not be able to stay in the country. Okay, that's the truth. Um, but, you know, they explained how it doesn't happen. Now, the insider from Google... Said that people cannot fathom just how advanced algorithm tech is. And that's true. These algorithms, and just so you understand, an algorithm is like a math problem, okay? So think computers think in numbers, ones and zeros. So it's like if you get this, then you do this, right? And they do it instantly. So the minute you type in the word Hillary, it could say Clinton is great. It'll come up because it's like every time someone puts in the word Hillary or it's H-I-L-L-A, you start to populate is great, is amazing, is the woman that breaks glass ceilings. It programs it to automatically pop those out. And then when you do a search with words of such, it'll say if, you know, someone says Hillary Clinton body count, It'll say when you see that, you know, bring up how Hillary Clinton has lost weight or caught her hair or walking in the woods or some other rubbish. It's instant. These are math problems. So the word Hillary might represent one. The word body count may represent negative six. So then the math problem solution comes up to give relevant things that pop up these numbers. I'm, I'm trying to like make it as simple as possible so you understand. So they can manipulate things in real time instantly. And so this is um, a concern, but it's a fixable concern, meaning that any algorithms being used on search engines, I believe, should be made public and that they should be all created equal with no bias that actually look for the words that we are asking for that are plain out, just search. Because, you know, when you're searching for things like, say you go in and you type Jeffrey Epstein, I don't know, uh, and MIT, it'll come up with only the stuff that people are reporting now. If you want to see any reports from like 2002, 1990s, that are already archived on the internet, if the news agency hasn't deleted those files yet, well, you know, you're not going to be able to find it. You're going to probably have to go to page 200 and something to find it because they're going to give you what they want to give you. Kind of like what the news does. They only give you the information they want to give you to make sure that you think the way they want you to think. So is it really unbiased? Do we have access to everything? I mean, you know, how do we know? We don't. Unless we're one of those engineers and you know people that got into the industry of coding and engineering to compress data to search to create amazing search engines to to, to promote knowledge because knowledge is what helps human beings evolve human beings not like evolution like physically but mentally you know this is how through knowledge through expression of art through uh, you know interactions with each other we developed uh, a better conscious as social human beings right we don't disembowel people in the square because they stole an orange anymore right we don't you know bury a woman in the ground and throw stones at her head because she cheated on her husband you know we don't you know see things that were normal just 50 years ago a hundred years ago we don't because we developed socially. Why? Because education... And knowledge and information started to be more accessible. So someone that may have not come from the background to be able to go to college in the 40s because they came from a blue collar factory working family suddenly can still be a child today of a factory working blue collar family that never had an education, but have it at their fingertips at home to educate themselves beyond belief. You know, I, you know, you, when I was a kid, I used to go to the library all the time and I used to take garbage bags worth full of books home and I would just read. And a lot of that stuff was way over my head. I mean, at eight trying to comprehend hydroelectric plants and how they function and how they promote energy. I'm dead serious. Like this is stuff that I found interesting, but it was over my head. Like, imagine, you know, sometimes I say it to my kids all the time. If I was eight years old and had the access to information you have now, I would be like a Nirvana genius, because all I would do is immerse myself in learning, 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 because I had that, that craving. And now we can create better technology, solutions to problems that have plagued our civilizations for eons, because there is that accessibility. And now we have these companies that are trying to bottleneck that too, and not allow Certain information to fall into people's hands, certain information to be seen and certain ideologies to be perpetuated based on information available. So this is a, a big deal. You know, it is a very big deal. And as software engineers, you know, you, you go in there to create, um, something that makes it easier for people and you pride yourself on that. But what kind of software engineer is okay? with creating roadblocks. I mean, it's no different than creating a wall and saying, you're not allowed to come into this you know, area of the city because you're poor. This is basically what the software is. It's creating a wall and saying, you're not allowed to see this because we said so. No, you're not allowed to, period. Now, that is exactly what's going on. So this is going to be pretty interesting because we need to see how they respond to it. You know, we need to see how they respond to it because kind of like Peter Strzok's text messages where he's like, oh, I hate Trump. Oh, I'm going to stop this. Oh, I'm going to do it. You know, we have in Google engineers and people that are innovating. Oh, I totally hate Trump. He's so disgusting. Like, let's find a way to stop him. You know, <laughs> They're so fruity. It's like, just do your job. You're supposed to be innovating. You're supposed to be there to make life easier for people. And this is why you're in this business, not... To tell people how to think. Okay? And here's where we go to feed into what the fake news is doing the fake news is promoting this too the fake news is telling you how to think right they're the ones that are telling us well you don't know let me tell you this is how it's supposed to be this is how you're supposed to see things and if you think anything else or if you question what we tell you you're crazy you're a conspiracy theorist and you need to have some tape put over your mouth and you need to be censored that's the way it is That's how fake news operates in the same way that the the Google search engine does. You're not allowed to see this information. And if you do see this information and you agree with it or you question what we give you, then you're the problem. That's how they flip it. Now, the same thing goes for the simple thing of Bolton being fired. Now, I have not hidden my feelings about Bolton at all. I have been waiting for him to get fired for a while, and I've always questioned as to why he was appointed in the first place and why he tagged on, only because of what he did in Central America, okay? That is that is where I put my foot down, and I was like, you know, because I'm a very tolerant person. You can make mistakes, Uh, you know, you can push, you can push. I'm totally fine with that, you know? I've learned... I've actually been very humbled, you know, with my battles that I've been doing against politicians regionally and the slander warfare that they've used against me. I actually have it's humbled me to understand just how um, their tactics work and how um, using truth direct doesn't help honestly guys like we see that when you use facts when you use reality you know it it, it backfires all the time and you know i hate the saying oh no good deed goes unpunished guys it, it it doesn't go unpunished because the people that you're putting the good deed up against is are evil For me, I was doing a good deed. I was exposing pedophilia. I was exposing high-level child trafficking networks within my state. And they came out calling me names, saying things, making allegations and publishing them. And it's like, okay, well, if I did that, where's the victim? We don't need a victim. Okay, well, if I did that, where's the loss? We don't need a loss. And I'm like, okay, so that's called defamation then. Hmm. Try it. The judges are ours because you're going after the judges too. That's how they work. So they will call you out. They will say whatever and they will fight you exactly the way we see it with Trump. Exactly the way we see it with every single politician that has come up and spoken for those that have survived the speaking, right? Survive not only economically, but survive like physically. Okay. And that's a reality. So now let's move on to Iran. Okay? Iran obviously had something to say about Bolton being fired. It totally aligns with why I don't like Bolton, but I want you guys to hear what fake news, Joe, Joe Scarborough, you know, the guy with the dead intern, we don't know what happened. He just disappeared in the middle of the night. So we got a murder hanging unresolved that's directly connected to this clown and he's sitting and gracing the nation with his presence. This is how we reward evil people, by giving them the platform to sit there and talk smack when they have blood on their hands? Take a listen to what this clown says, because it's ridiculous.
6: He thought the Iraq War would be good, and would be good for business, and be good for the stock market. So let's put that to the side. Willie, I mean, as you know, I mean, the Libyan model actually, diplomatically, was seen as a great success. And... The president would just have to be completely ignorant of history and have ignored the news for the past 15 years, which I'm sure he did, to not understand that they were talking about how the United States worked to disarm uh, Libya's WMD weapons. They weren't talking about what Barack Obama did later on uh, in invading Libya and killing that leader, which, of course, at the time we said... Uh, that that was was troubling only because it, it because of what the Libyan model had yielded us. So they agreed to give up their arms program, but 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 but, but also, uh, and we're going to hear what Bolton had to actually say on that in a second. But also, think about the fact that Donald Trump, an American president, actually fired uh, his national security adviser, or, or or forced him out. Because the dictator of North Korea didn't like him.
0: Uh, What? Oh, my God. Like, I don't know what Joe is smoking, but it's definitely expired. If he's on any medications, he needs to check the expiration date. First of all, the Libyan model is a BS term. Weapons of mass destruction. WMD. We've seen that movie before, haven't we? And what's going on in Libya right now? The United Nations have literally offered Qatar and Turkey a whole section of Libya. Tripoli is now pretty much annexed by Turkey, and Turkey is patrolling the shores of, you know, the northern shores of Africa, right? <laughs> encompassing with their, you know, coupled with the fact that they've invaded Cyprus's water and they're drilling. It's like they're sandwiching in territory that they have occupied and they're taking over. And you know what? Libya gave up. No, Libya got money. And that's the thing about small nations, they have few leaders and they line their pockets and that's how they operate. It's kind of like in my state of North Dakota. There's few leaders and they line their pockets and they operate. It's called the good old boy club. You think in a state with seven hundred thousand people doesn't happen, it doesn't it happens and it won't happen to a nation with a million people, two million people, of course it will. In, in like Greece, everybody's related to some politician and when they gave up and forfeited, I know because I have relatives that are supposedly, that were politicians and are still trying to get into the political game because everybody, it's small. It's a smaller country, smaller mass bodies, physical people living in a place. So, The smarter ones or the swampy ones or the witty ones or the clever ones or the sneaky ones or the slimeball ones are the ones that are always in control. This is why we can't fathom the amount of corruption we have because we have so many levels obfuscating it, you know, from here to here to here to here. Because I'm sure every single one of you listening to me now have stories about your local cities and, and, and your state of how corrupt and networked they are. I mean, I've literally exposed the fact that in my state in 2013, a regulation was literally penned by the Attorney General himself creating his own criminal information justice network and in there parts of the board and people that meet are prosecutors judges and members of the Supreme Court hello how is that even okay how are you advising the Supreme Court and judges of pending hey this drug dealer hey this pedophile hey this thief hey this you know um, land uh, you know dispute hey this with the Native Americans why are you giving him a heads up, he's going to be biased by the time the case comes to his face. But you know, whatever, right? Corruption, right? That's the way it works, and that's what happened in Libya. They lined their pockets and they bowed down the corrupt ones, and this is why Benghazi was something I, I wouldn't say easy, but it was easy. It was it was easier for them because they had already succumbed. Now we have Joe peddling the idea that oh. Trump fired Bolton because Kim Jong-un didn't like him. It's like, what? Are you insane? Take a listen to his, his stupid theory.
6: Didn't like him. I mean, you have, again, Bolton being tough, not only in North Korea. he spent a lifetime being tough on Iran, which Donald Trump's now talking about giving a $15 billion bailout to uh, because of mistakes that he himself has made.
0: That is a total lie. That is something that the European Union has proposed. And the U.S. said, no, you pay them. We're out of that deal. So they're pushing a lie so that people, you know, if, if you say it over and over again, someone's going to believe it. And then that someone's going to convince someone else it's true. And then it's going to be someone else's true. Kind of like that stupid theory that he's going to look into the social credit score. No, he's not. There's 29 proposals. That was just something that was amplified by a cancer research network saying, hey, since we're using this to detect cancer, why not use this to detect crazy people that shouldn't have guns? You know, violate HIPAA altogether because right now all we're doing is getting voluntary information for people that might think they might get cancer. So we just track all their medical information so they can train our artificial intelligence algorithms to be able to determine if they have cancer. Maybe we can get people to volunteer their information so that way we could say, hey, neuropsychotic gun-related violence may occur, probability so-and-so. This is exactly what he's doing. He's pushing this idea so that people believe it. There is no way President Trump will pay them $15 billion.
6: He's, he's been a patsy for Russia, uh, so much so that his own intel community says that American democracy is, is at risk. Uh, the Taliban, I mean, Bolton wasn't sufficiently pro-Taliban enough. Donald Trump wanted to invite, on near the anniversary of September 11th, uh, the Taliban to Camp David this is a guy, Willie, this is a guy who continues, and we've said it for some time, but he keeps doing it, embracing our enemies and insulting our allies. I don't think John Bolton was ever going to fit neatly uh, into that sort of ideological construct.
4: Yeah, and Wes, as I said, when you look at John Bolton... um he has had a series of ideas, a series of policies he's pushed through the Bush administration. He's always been who he is, and President Trump knew that coming in. So then on the way out the door to criticize him for all those things when you welcomed him in is a, is a little bit odd. But yes, what jumped out at me is exactly what Joe pointed out when I listened to the president. He said Kim Jong Un didn't like John Bolton, didn't like the way he talked about the Libyan model, and so therefore that's part of the reason I couldn't keep the guy around.
2: It's uh, I mean I I didn't understand the selection of John Bolton, right. so I can't say I shed a tear watching him exit. But um but it is interesting because there is no concept of a Trump foreign policy. There's no concept of a of a of, of a strategy.
0: Yes, there is. Do you know what that strategy is? America first. He said it. America first. America first. That is all he talked about. America first. And that is his strategy. And Bolton's strategy is meat cleaver. The massacres we saw in Central America were just, he's the type of person that's like, you know what? This is way too much. Let's just napalm the whole place. Let's just flatten it out because it's not going to work. Let's just hit the reset button. He's like that. He's black and white. This is why I said he's scary. This is why I said he's a scary person. First, you can't read him easy. You can't. I don't know if it's because how thick his mustache is. And I'm not saying that he's not good at what he does. Do not get me wrong. He is a very good analyst. He understands foreign relations like nobody's business. This guy understands everything. But he is very specific in the way he operates. And it's really just boom. You know, just boom. Hardcore corners. That's it. Nothing else. So that is something that people need to keep in mind. Now, let's just... Play a little clip, it's obviously Al Jazeera, of what Iran had to say about the firing of Bolton. And then after the break, I'm just going to give you some commentary on it so you understand where Iran is coming from. And then we'll delve into Bush and how Bush Jr., the Bush family funded 9-11 they funded 9-11 I repeat and an article will be coming out funded 9-11 this information that I got in my hands was incredible and I got it late last night while I was live um, with Millie Weaver for InfoWars where we were talking about 9-11 the the stuff that we talked about yesterday and you guys can find that on InfoWars or on Millie Weaver's channel too Um, and please I apologize for the bad lighting and the fact that my camera was looking up my face so I looked really weird and (laughs) distorted. Okay, take a listen to this.
1: The world has breathed a sigh of relief. That was Iran's first reaction to the departure of U.S. National Security Advisor John Bolton. Iran's foreign minister, Javad Zarif, said the United States thirst for war should end along its warmonger in chief. President Hassan Rouhani adding it should also reconsider its outlook towards Iran.
5: Americans have to realize that warmongering and warmongers are not to their benefit. They should not only abandon
3: warmongering, but also abandon their maximum pressure policy.
1: There had been growing divisions between John Bolton and his boss, and how to deal with Tehran was one of them.
0: And it was because President Trump did not want war. He didn't want warmongering. And warmongering is pretty much going for war for benefit. I don't think John Bolton was a warmonger, but he was a war ultimatum, meaning level the place out if they're not willing to come to the table. That's basically how he sees things. Okay, and we'll continue that for the first few minutes of the next hour, and then we'll pick up Bush family funding 9-11. I'll see you all just after this break. Thank you
5: Filtered
1: news.
0: Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says show. I'm your host, Tory. So, before we delve, like I said, in the second hour, into how the Bush family literally funded 9/11. And then, you know, and let me stop you right there. Yeah. Bush gave an executive order to like confiscate and uh, grab money, grab anything uh, from Americans that was funding uh, Osama bin Laden. Right. But it didn't say indirect. So um, that is key right there. So let's continue on this Iran thing, because I really want you guys to listen to how Al Jazeera puts this out and how Al Jazeera says Iran's president welcomed Donald Trump's decision to sack Bolton. Of course they would, because they don't want war. They can't deal with war. They have a crashed economy. They have they're sitting like on glass that is on ice. Okay, kind of like those idiots that wanted to protect the Arctic and got stuck. But they're stuck too. It's like the Iranians were navigating the Arctic in a dinghy and now they're stuck and they have to rely on the French and the Germans and we all know how they act. I'm just saying. So they're stuck and they don't want war. They can't afford war. They know that they will crash and burn with war and Trump isn't about that. He's like, dude, I like Iranian rugs. I like the fact that you Persians have your identity. But you guys need to come into this century. You need to Remove that veil where it has been set for 40 years by Peter Strzok's daddy. Let's remember that. It was Peter Strzok's daddy that installed the regimes that we see now, that created the IRGC that we see now. It was Peter Strzok's father that led that movement. Let's remember that. So we're telling them, take off the cloak that doesn't let us see the money laundering. Come into this century, not by forcing you to tell women not to wear hijabs, but by evolving as social beings and creating a middle ground. We're not gonna tell you how to run your country. We're just saying, come on, can we like all be like in the same type of, you know, um, span of consciousness as, you know, beings on this planet? So, like, we say women can do whatever they want. You say they can if they're not Muslims. And, you know, so it's kind of like you'll be on the, the far end, lower scale of human rights, but you're still going to have some human rights. Let's let's all work together, man. You've got money. We've got money. Let's all make money together. That's how it works. So Iran doesn't want war because they can't afford it. And they don't want war because they know no one's going to stick up for them. They're going to be left hanging. OK, because Al Qaeda is crippled, too. The only huge Al-Qaeda cell that we have is in Yemen right now. On the planet, the strongest hold of Al-Qaeda is in Yemen right now and they're being funded by the Turks, who is also a NATO member. So here we have Iranian... Um, a president uh, saying that he agrees with the firing of Bolton. I agree with the firing of Bolton. We cannot have more wars. We do not need to. This is 2019. We're not Neanderthals. We don't need to do this. We can come to the table with a conversation, but it has to be candid, has to be legit. And that's the thing that the president puts forward because in his in his career as a businessman do you know how many advisors he's fired for takeovers at companies no nah, man we can't do that he's got employees i know it's all about money but we're not going to do that because that's just not right well, we have to do it. Well, then you're fired. I'll find someone else that'll negotiate a deal or I'll get a better law firm that'll find me a buyout structure that is more fair, fair for my conscience at least. Uh, you know, this is how he operates. He's always operated like that. So the firing of John Bolton is, is, was inevitable and hook. Come on, man. Brian hook. What, what Huh. we'll talk about that <laughs> another time. Take a listen to what he says.
1: Bolton stated openly his position on using military force against Iran. Position at odds with a president whose isolationist America First policy wanted to reduce the U.S. military footprint around the world. Bolton was against most of Trump's decisions when it came to foreign policy. He was against talking to North Korea, against pulling out of Syria, against any engagement with the Iranian leadership and against the president's latest idea of inviting Afghanistan's Taliban to peace talks at Camp David. That seems to have been the breaking point. But the end was brutal, even by the standards of this White House. Donald Trump tweeting... I informed John Bolton last night that his services are no longer needed at the White House. I disagreed strongly with many of his suggestions, as did others in the administration. Therefore, I asked for his resignation, which was given to me this morning. Bolton treated not the usual thanks for being able to serve, but saying he'd quit rather than being fired. At a news briefing at the White House, which Bolton was initially listed to attend, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo defended the president's decision.
4: The president's entitled to the staff that he wants at, at, at any moment. This is a staff person who works directly for the President of the United States, and he, he should have people that he trusts and values. If there were many times Ambassador Bolton and I disagree. That's to be sure, uh, but that's true for lots of lots of people who, with whom I interact.
1: And with Bolton's opposition gone there could be obvious changes. For example, there's a better chance the president will meet his Iranian counterpart.
2: The president's made very clear he's prepared to meet with no preconditions.
1: President Trump said he will announce who will be his fourth national security advisor next week. His choice will give an indication in which direction he wants to steer his foreign policy.
0: His foreign policy, his domestic policy, we all know what it is. It's America first. And this is why he's been so successful. And yes, he could go through 40 national security advisors since the left stole the only national security advisor that made sense in a Trump administration, and that's General Flynn and they did that on purpose. You can't have General Flynn. You can't have the guy who knows where all the bodies are buried. You can't have the guy who knows how things operate. You can't have the guy who knows the M.O. of how we operate working as President Trump's National Security Advisor because if he is appointed National Security Advisor, if General Flynn is appointed General uh, the, the as the National Security Advisor, they go up in flames down to the root it's like when you want to get rid of a tree stump and you drill in so President Trump drills into the stump the fire that burns it down to the core is General Flynn and this is why they so incessantly trapped and tried and 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 semi succeeded because in 2020 we will have the right national security advisor I mean I would have thought that it you know you know what would be cool being dead mid cycle 2020 like march if it was like yeah nope it's not trump pence it's trump flynn that i would totally get behind i'd be like yep let's change those ballots let's change those stickers let's change those banners so that um would be awesome that would be the most controversial thing to ever happen Now, just to touch base, the Daily Beast put out a report saying that, you know, President Trump is flirting with the idea of, you know, um, accepting a deal that the French have put a plan together to give $15 billion in credit to the Iranians if Tehran actually falls back into compliance with the Obama-era nuclear deal (laughs) First of all, the French can't give $15 billion. Neither can the Europeans in general, okay, or the Germans. They are tapped out. They are borrowing money like crazy. They are in the hole. They have no money to give because if they did, they would have been paying Iran all this time and we wouldn't be at the position where Iran is like, either you guys pay me or I'm making uranium. And it's like, first of all, they've been making uranium, okay, and enriched uranium, okay? But whatever. So this is where we're at. People are losing their mind. And I already told you that we were in talks with Iran. I already told you that we're going to be meeting with Iran. And you watch that fly. Because I am happy that Iran is happy. Because that means that we are on the same footing and on the same page of where it should, where our policies should equate and balance out. We should be on the same level when we're talking to people, no matter if you see them as a terrorist or not. No one, no matter how deranged or disgusting or evil they are, will come to the table with the intention of actually putting forward a deal if they don't have equal you know, like a chair that sees equal on the table. You can't be on a bar stool and then being on a kitty chair. It's got to be at least equal for them. And I think this is the, the best way to go forward. Now, um, I want to talk about um, the bushes. So when I did that one piece on Jeffrey Epstein, which I still have the articles uh, about his money. And the thing is, I'm reluctant to put it out because the New Yorker totally stole all my stuff uh, for Jeffrey Epstein and spinned it in a way that wasn't correct. You know, the emails from Bill Gates and all that stuff. You know, I have the pictures of them sitting on campus in Harvard, okay? I've got all that stuff. I've been having that stuff. I've been collecting it for years ever since I saw the Lolita Express On a U.S. base offshore. And I thought to myself, who is this guy? Why are we having private jets and why is he coming out dripping? He wasn't like dripping in ice, you know, like tons of diamonds, but he had chicks around him and they were talking and everyone was kind of like rushing to him. And I was like, who is that clown? And they're like, oh, you don't know who he is? He's like this big businessman. Why is a businessman landing in a place that's supposed to be a war zone, even though we weren't technically at war at the time, you know, in a private jet to pick up a gen. General and you know some senators like w- what's going on here and ever since then I have been following Epstein so I've got more Epstein stuff than you can believe and you know hopefully <laughs> some of that stuff might be lost on the eight champ board so I'm like waiting for that to come back up so here we are right at the brink of understanding just how we're. Co- I mean, how many times does something have to be a coincidence before it's like, okay, it's not a coincidence. Same names. And yesterday when I was uh, live with Millie, obviously we were talking before the live show, and obviously there's <laughs> there's a candid clip at the end because I was really upset that my camera was shooting me from a downward angle, and I was like, oh my gosh, my face looked like super round and I had chins, and I just it was like a panoramic view, and I was just like really self conscious, but we discussed this and she said the same thing, like it's the same people coming up. And I said, exactly. And while I was on with Millie live yesterday, I was, um, I had received a lot of information in, you know, through my, wherever I go and get it, I'm not going to say where. And I was going through it this morning. I haven't had the time to go through all of it, but it came back to this, this circling back. This is stuff that is residual from what I was looking into Epstein. So I found that Bush senior's dad uh, was in bed with the Nazis, right? And that his bank was owned by literally Nazis and that they were literally funding Hitler during the war, right? I had found that documentation. I even found, uh, you know, from the... um, from archives, government archives, how uh, the uh, administration at the time had confiscated and froze, you know, their assets. So, you know, it's not something that doesn't happen. I mean, doing business with the enemy is kind of like the Bush MO. And not just the Bush, the Clinton MO too, right? But a lot of the Bush... Wealth, the money that they made, the insane amount of money uh, was from providing um, metals and other like materials and a line of credit, like money to Adolf Hitler's Third Reich. Okay. Uh, Prescott Bush, you know, the, you know, president's, uh, President Bush Jr.'s granddad, President, you know, Bush 41's dad, Bush 43's grandpa, right? they were actually seized by the US government under you know the um under a specific um writ that was put out so during world war 2 um under the trading and uh, trading with the enemy act roosevelt confiscated and seized the Union Banking Corporation New York City as a front for the Nazis, right? And that was done in October of 1942. Bush, Ronald Harriman, and then two other Bush associates, and oh, it was like, one, two, three Nazi executives owned the bank's shares. So eight days after that, the Roosevelt administration seized another two companies that were managed by Bush 43's granddad. And it was called the Holland American Trading Company. Darn those Dutch. And Seamless Steel, because they were offering steel, um, that were both managed by Bush, Harriman Bank, by the bank that was part of the bank, Union Banking Corporation in New York, funded and managed the Holland American Trading Corp and Seamless Steel. And they were literally accused, and it was determined that they were just... Simple fronts like, you know, offshore fronts for Hitler. So in 1942, the government, you know, the month after that, so it was October where they seized the assets and froze Union Banking Corp, which the Bush Bank was part of. A month later, on November 8th, right, 11-8, 11-8 uh, the federal government seized all Nazi-controlled assets, um by another company called the Celesian American Corp, which was also part of the Bush company organizations doing business with Hitler. I mean, this is crazy, right? Well, here's where it makes total sense. I mean, rinse and repeat, right? Didn't we say that they use the same MOs, you know, because it's tried and tested. Well here we go. We got the Bush administration. Boom. Doing business with the Bin Ladens. Uh-huh. With the Bin Ladens. And that is what lots of us don't know. Because I've got a lot of friends that worked for Bush Jr. A lot. Oh, I love him. I I thought he was really dumb. I mean, there was no one dumber than him. He was like one of those, um, you know how you see like successful parents now, right? And then they have these kids that are so dumb. They have so much money. They buy all these cars, TVs. They go out. They party. They drip in diamonds. They're... They're buying like $100,000 cell phones because they have diamonds on every corner of, you know, and they're dumb because they don't know how to operate in the real world. The minute you take away their trust fund, the minute you take away their unlimited credit card, they got nothing. They're just dumb. Well, this is exactly what Bush Jr. is. Just dumb. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Dumb is rocks. And here's where, um, but he's dumb as rocks, but He's corrupt in every fashion, in every form. So we lost thousands of Americans yesterday, 18 years ago, right? Thousands. In one of the largest acts of war against the United States of America. And what people don't know is that the president at the time during these attacks had close ties with the bin Laden family. They actually did business and in essence funded the 9-11 attacks. So we, uh, so Osama bin Laden being a Saudi himself, right? You know, they have like tons of brothers and sisters and then 100 wives. So they like, you know, propagate like nobody's business. It's like bunnies. It's like a dog, you know, that ha- that gets pregnant, pops out 10. That's the way it is. They have a lot of kids. And it's all about lineage. It's all about securing your bloodline. I get it. And I'm all for that. I wanted to have a lot of babies, but I just wasn't that blessed. I only had two. I wanted a lot of them uh, to like fill my gene pool, (laughs) but, uh, you know, to leave some of it. But this is how they operate, their gene pool. Well, one of Osama's brother was Salim bin Laden, right? Um, He was uh, one of Osama's older, older brothers. He was like one of the chief investors in something called Arbusto Energy. Yeah. You know what Arbusto actually means? It means bush, bush, like a bush. And guess who started that? Arbusto Energy Oil Company. Huh. Yep, you guessed it. George Bush. Um so Salem bin Laden, he actually died in a plane crash. Just like other members of his family also died in weird plane crashes too. Anyway, he died in 1988 just around that Somali time, you know. <laughs> where Osama did like his Somali stuff. Well, he died in a plane crash. After dying, you know, obviously his assets went to someone else. Now, Sheikh Mohammed bin Laden, who was the family dad, he was like the, the founder of this empire. Like he is, they have like a construction, they're like the Trumps of Saudi Arabia, right? Construction. He also died, in an airplane. But he died in 1968. And he had 57 sons. So when I tell you they propagate like crazy. Is not an underst; it, it, it is an understatement. Fifty seven sons. I mean, that's a lot. But you have to think he has like a lot of wives, and he had daughters, of course. You know, it's not like all of them, and um, that's because he had twelve wives. So you know, he just split a couple kids between all of them, and these wives were spread across the Arab nations. So he had, I think, it was like, uh, wives in Jordan for sure. Uh, there was Assyria. There was obviously Saudi Arabia, and I think it was Lebanon, not Libya. I think it's Lebanon. And so um, about 12 to 13 of the brothers, of the bin Laden brothers from Sheikh Mohammed, you know, managed the construction company. And it's one of the biggest construction companies in the Middle East, just so you know. It's kind of like the Trump empire of the Middle East. Now, George Bush, senior, right, senior, after his dad has all his businesses confiscated and everything, he goes to college and he's and he goes to Harvard, of course. <laughs> Don't all these corrupt clowns go to Harvard. I mean, David Hogg went. I mean, that's it. Sealed the deal. Corruption. BS. Paid for degrees. Anyway, he goes back to Texas and um in the late 70s, okay. And so let's just get something straight. He rolled out of college and went into the CIA. But, you know, we're just skipping here. We're just going, you know, into the juice that we want to. And he starts, you know, back up in the oil business. So in the late 70s, I think it was like 78, 79, um, he created a bunch of um, LLCs, LLPs, LLCs, you know, just companies. And, oh, yeah, it was 78, 79. So, again, it was... Arbusto, which means bush in Spanish, right? Arbusto. 78, Arbusto 78, and Arbusto 79, and so on. Um, And so he could drill for oil, right? Just like his daddy. All about commodities, right? All these corrupt clowns are so into commodities. Now, um, Bush's, uh, so Bush 41's uh, backer, like money guy, was this guy who dealt with, like, aircraft, right? And... You know, it's it was natural for him to get into like aircraft and and selling planes, right? Because he was part of the Air National Guard. He actually served with Bush forty one too, and um, for some reason, uh, Bath, who served in the Air National Guard, has some has a connection to the clown agency. And now, so the fact that he's connected to the CIA has to go with his brokerage of aircraft. And that's very specific because actually the brokerage of one of those aircraft was one of the aircrafts that was brokeraged and sold to Barry Seal. You know who Barry Seal is? You should look at my article that talks about William Barr on Says.com. He was the CIA pilot that was supposedly uh, moving drugs from Panama, you know, with Noriega up to Mena, Arkansas, um, and then he took the fall for the money that was missing when Noriega was like, yo, what's up? Where's my $100 million? And the Clinton was like, I don't know. Oh, it's Barry. We didn't take it. But yet they stole the China from the White House, okay? Whatever. So anyway, so this guy sells aircraft and one of the airplanes that he sold was the, the one that Barry Seal has. And, you know, they're working together and he backs Bush 41's uh oil businesses okay in the late 70s now there was a 1976 agreement that um, I found that shows that James Bath who was the aircraft broker right that he was like selling planes the, the plane broker who also backed 41 there's an agreement between him and Salem bin Laden you know Osama bin Laden's brother and James Bath, the plane broker, was his business rep in Houston. It's like, mm mm-hmm. So how does a guy that sells planes for the CIA and for other people like private jets and airplanes that also invested in Bush 41's oil business end up representing Salem bin Laden, right? I mean, think about it. So what this plane broker that served with Bush, coincidentally, and sold planes and worked for the CIA, um, was actually something that came and became public, because this is how I found it, from a guy named Bill White. He was actually... Um, um, in real estate and he was working in real estate with this guy, Bath, right? And White literally came forward and told federal investigators in ninety two that Bath had told him he helped the CIA, you know, as a you know, a go to guy. Um The same year that Bush, 41, served as director of the CIA. Are you getting this? So the same year that Bush served director of the CIA, the same year, and at that time uh, uh, also, Bush was what? Investing in oil and asked Bath for money. He was working with the CIA too. Incredible, right? We'll continue this just after this short break because this gets so crazy.
3: 800-961-9194, promo code State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own.
5: For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com.
4: Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed.
0: All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. So I'm giving you a walkthrough of how Bush Jr., Bush 43, the president, the sitting president at the time that the towers were taken down, the 9-11 president... Right, The Taliban, Al-Qaeda president, the Osama bin Laden president actually funded it. Now, take a listen. Just before the break, I told you that there was this real estate agent. He got really, really, you know, they they got they got bitchy between each other. They were talking about "Ah, it in the 90s. Right. During that fight in court, it was at that point that. The real estate guy who was really bitter because, you know, this guy, you know, Bath that sells planes was really screwing him over on the real estate thing. You know, he, he literally it's in court records said, well, you know, Bath isn't a good guy. He's like managing millions and millions of dollars for Sheikh Khalid bin Mahfouz on one of these Saudi rich guys. And that you know those uh, those um those investments that um that that bath made into like real estate was with money with Mafuz's money, so with Sheikh Khalid's money was how he funded right the Houston Gulf Air a- Airport. So he was saying you know he's telling me about money, but he's talking about money, but he's using Saudi money to fund the airport. He's like managing money for Saudis, and so you know. Sheikh Khalid, you know, is a huge, you know, the Mahuz family. They actually have Marfin Bank. You know, they're they're huge. Okay, huge bankers. They were one of the largest stockholders in a very specific bank, a bank that was shut down, albeit right in in the nineties. The bank's name was called Bank of Credit and Commerce International, BCCI. It was the it was the the mobster bank, the uh, cartel bank. It was the terrorist bank. They funded, you know, people all over the world. They had um, offices in like almost 80 nations. Okay, and even though it looked like a regular bank, kind of like HSBC, you know, how HSBC, the Hong Kong bank just splurred out from the east like it was a plague. I remember seeing it in Hong Kong and then it's like, whoa, it's everywhere in Europe. Whoa, it's in the U.S. What happened? You know, this is what this type of bank was. It actually is linked to Noriega, uh, Abu Nidal, Kunsa, you know, the the guy that runs the, the Golden Triangle in Asia, you know, super like, you know, Asian mafia man, nobody could the Mexican cartels look like you know Care Bears next to the Asian mafias. Okay, let's be honest. Saddam Hussein had banking operations. The Medellin drug cartel, like all these people, had bank accounts with BCCI and they were cha- exchanging money. So BCCI was actually. I also had a bunch of people in the United States. There were a bunch of Democrats, a bunch of Republicans, a bunch of banks that still exist in the United States. Little banks, you know, that senators make. Kind of like Senator Hoven in North Dakota that has banks. Kind of like the Attorney General of North Dakota that has banks. You know, BCCI had all of these people linked to them. And so that bank was found to be a money it was just a washing machine, okay, for smuggling weapons, for you know, um funding terrorism, uh for you know, through like Middle East and African uh, resources, so that would be oil, gold, diamonds, etc. And that was to influence American politicians, okay? That's that's basically why they were funding them. So, um do you want to hear something really funny? Here's where new, here's where the same names pop up. Do you know that the chief of the Justice Department criminal division of Bush Senior, who he was? Guys, you will not believe this. Cause when I saw this document, I was like, shut up. How did I miss this? Okay. Remember how I tell you that Comey's resume, Mueller's resume, so confusing. Was he a U.S. attorney there? Did he work there? He was in Boston. Did he do this? Comey was supposedly a U.S. attorney only for a year and a half, then became acting attorney general. But apparently on some places he was a U.S. attorney over here and over there and over here. Here's this. The chief of the Justice Department Criminal Division under corrupt, disgusting Bush 41 was Robert Mueller. Pew mind blown, right? Mind blown. So the the, Robert Mueller, okay, Robert Mueller, was the chief of Bush 41's justice Div- no wonder he just became supersonic you know FBI director under Bush Jr. eloping with no oath of office just a couple of days before 9-11 now we understand where this report and I can't wait to put this in perspective where the New York Post published oh you know he was covering up for Saudis no he wasn't he was covering up for the Bushes cause I got the, the the goods on that one. So Mueller was literally the one that was slapping people on the wrist, you know, for, for, you know, being in on, uh, you know, the whole uh, banking with B- BCCI. And remember, um, as FBI director, he, you know, replaced Louis Fried, who did nothing. When Clintons, when the Clintons were selling our national security secrets to the Chinese and nothing's changed because the Clintons have been working with China, 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 all this time. So this is incredible. So remember, in 1992, right, so we have we have the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, right, which is part of the Justice Department. Actually, review to see. Oh, is this you know real estate agent just saying stuff about Bath because he's like salty because of what happened at the Gulf Airport and stuff? You know about Bath. You know, you know smuggling money um, from wealthy Saudis and Middle Eastern uh, you know businessmen to influence Reagan and Bush. Remember, Bush forty one was a three term president. Don't listen to that. Reagan was president. They shot him, and he was like, "All right, I'll line up, but just let me like pretend at least I'm an actor." Because this really sucks. So here's the thing: he looked into it, and Robert Mueller was <laughs> was head of the criminal division at the time. So so check this out: so Robert Mueller, now you know the at that time was the FBI chief in a senior position who reviewed all that stuff, right? And he and White, even you know the the, the salty um, real estate guy, actually said. You know, Bath, you know, and the and the Justice Department literally blackballed him. No one would work with him. No one would uh, finance him because he refused to shut his mouth about the Saudi connections. It's kind of like anytime you talk, they will blackball you. And they won't just blackball you by saying, don't hire them. Don't sell to them. They'll blackball you by putting out headlines. So, you know, they slandered this real estate guy who got the short end of a stick by Bath, who was dealing with the Saudis, who was running everything Saudi in America and running the Bush's money too. And so this guy was called a fraud. He didn't do anything. They ruined his life because he was telling the truth. And there were sworn depositions where even that corrupt bath, that plane seller, you know, said that he was representing four very rich Saudi business guys as a trustee. So Saudis go to this white guy in Houston that just happens to be BFFs with Bush Sr., right? And they flew together, you know, at the Texas Air National Guard. And they both served in the CIA. So the Saudis would totally put a CIA agent as their trustee. I mean, totally makes sense, 100%, right, right, right? So he said that, you know, he'd put his name on stuff and they'd get investments, and he gets 5% of whatever they get. And so documents that I've pulled actually show that. Bath, you know, the guy that was selling airplanes, owned 5% of our Busto 79 Limited. So that is the company. Remember how I said that Bush Sr. had set up a lot of our Busto companies, like lots of the same company, one was 78, 79, 80, right? 81. Those were like ex, you know, oil exploration. Well, freaking Bath owned 5% of it. Again, he said he owned 5% of all the Saudi stuff, but he owned 5% of this. And not only that, there was a general partnership that uh, was called the Bush Exploration Company, um, where he was partners with with Bush Forty One. Okay. He was partners with him. So here we go, where Arbusto, the name Arbusto, got changed to Bush Exploration and then it merged into like the new, you know, company that everybody knew about and it was more mainstream in the 80s, obviously, because Bush was then vice president as Spectrum 70 Energy Corp. Spectrum? Seven energy corp Mm -hmm. so here's where it moves along so now we have bush controlling oil fields right he's cia took out jfk of course you know during his time right and then we've got bush and um you know moving along they're all like working together guys uh, i don't even know where to go with this how much i can tell you without you know you following it but what i can tell you is is that um bush made a lot of money with um, Harkin Energy Corp so B- Bush actually took part in um, Harkin Energy Corp as a director in 1986 while he was president uh, vice president slash president right okay and he got 200 over 200,000 but it was under it was under a quarter million under a quarter million shares in Harkin Energy Corp. and Uh, While he was at the White House, was this even allowed? Right. He used like his connections in the executive office that he was at to get like a really, really badass contract for Harkin Energy with guess what? The Middle East. And guess what? Bahrain. Do you remember what was going on in the late 80s, early 90s in Bahrain and Kuwait? (laughs) <laughs> oil grabs, remember, you guys? So here we go. We've got the vice president slash then president, George Bush, senior, Bush 41, in the oil fields that we as a nation are going in to take over, right? So he sold, you know, his qu- under quarter million shares for like $850,000. And he paid off a loan that he had gotten To buy a share in something called Texas Rangers, right? And the, and the brain, you know, the, the deal in Bahrain was actually, and here's this same damn players, you guys. Guess who brokered that deal? Clinton's BFF, Bill Clinton's BFF, David Edwards. And so he worked. So anyway, he went to little, little, um, Little Rock, Arkansas. Bush Jr. did to meet with a couple people um, to kind of revamp Harkin Energy Corp right before the stock collapse. So he basically fixed his sell shares. He made money off of insider trading. <laughs> this is crazy. And so, not only that, he met with um, Jackson Stevens, who was like this, you know, big Arkansas, you know. Uh, you know, dripping in ice type tycoon that, that funded everything young, you know, little Bill Clinton, little pervert just expelled from Oxford for raping someone, Bill Clinton. So he funded everything. And for, um, uh, you know, he, well, this Arkansas guy, I remember, reading about him. So Stevens was like very well known because he like did like a huge, like, you know, through a huge bash and fundraiser for Jimmy Carter. So, you know, that's how he was. But here's the thing. This guy, Stevens, the guy that was like, you know, that probably had the, you know, the cowboy, even though they're not cowboys in Arkansas, but whatever. Cowboy belt buckle with like diamonds on it was like deep. Like he was eyeball deep in the scandal with that bank. Okay, he was he he had a big, big problem. And um, what he did was he helped, you know, that scandal. um, He helped that bank take control of First American Bank that was in Washington. So they let this corrupt money laundering bank literally take over a bank that was an American bank. It was it, it was super insane. But here's where it gets even crazier. So Bush was very aware that um you know his dad was in bed and they were still you know getting money from you know you know his 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 poppy you know that was his poppy he knew that the poppy the Saudi poppy, that was funding all Bush stuff you know Khaled bin Mahfuz and all of them um we're funding Osama bin Laden. I mean, Osama bin Laden was cut off from, the, from Saudi Arabia. They refused to give him his nationality in the early 90s. They, like, took it away from him and, and shut down his bank accounts. But, but, uh, after the attacks... Uh, in uh, Somalia, the attacks in Somalia, they were literally funded by Saudis, other Saudis, wealthy Saudis that weren't connected to the Saudi government. Okay. And so they were funneling tens of millions of dollars each year to bank accounts overseas that were bin Laden's. Five of them Five specific dudes, okay, had the National Commerce Bank transfer $3 million into a, uh, an account called the Capital, into an account in Capital Trust Bank in New York. That money was then deposited into, get this. Islamic Relief Foundation, which still exists till today. So Islamic Relief and Bless Relief, you know, these Islamic charities that were operating at that time in the US and in the UK were literally fronts for Osama bin Laden. The same thing that's happening today. We've got care. We still have Islamic Relief. They were taking money. Now, here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. The Capital Trust Bank, guess who ran that bank? Muhammad Hussein Alamudi. And guess who his lawyer was? Vernon Jordan. He was like Bill Clinton's BFF. And he was the guy that was like super close to Bill when all that Monica Lewinsky stuff went down. So we have the uh, Abdullah uh, Bakash, you know, the Arab that co-signed $25 million in cash to George Bush's Harkin Energy Corp. He is the guy that appointed Talat Othman to manage almost 18% of Harkin Energy Corp., a native Palestinian and president of CEO of, get this, Dearborn, <laughs> Dearborn Financial Incorporated, which is an investment firm that is housed in in arlington heights illinois so are you getting this so these are all people that had portions of george bush's bank and george bush was literally funding what the capital bank and that capital bank was funding who osama bin laden so bakash also had 10 percent of an arkansas bank that jack stevens right remember jackson remember Bill Clinton, remember the guy that, you know, helped the corrupt, you know, money laundering BCCI bank buy an American bank? He also controlled portions of it. And Abdullah Baksh- Bakshah's share was almost identical to that, that, um, the godfather of, um, what's that guy's name? Choose. Um, he's like, uh, super wealthy. Indonesians, You know, like crazy rich, Asian rich with close ties to the Chinese, but he was like Filipino. Um, oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Bill Clinton's, um, come on, uh, Pat Robinson, the evangelist. So this is, this is how it works. And Bakash was actually represented, get this, by a well-known GOP law firm in New York. Ooh, hold on. Listen to this. Who, whose former partner was, you know, former Secretary of State William Rogers? So the Saudi was represented in court by a GOP law firm of the that that used to have the former Secretary of State Rogers as a lawyer, as a partner in there. Guys, this is like for real, okay? Rogers and Wells, you know, William P. Rogers, he like supported the Saudis. So now it was found that President Bush forty one. Right, was literally on the board of directors, right, of Harkin. And he met three times with Othman and all these Saudis. Not only that, his chief of staff, the chief of staff, John Sununu, um, was the first Othman first meeting. With Bush 41 at the White House. Hold on a second. So his business partner came and met him. You know, the, the Arab business partner came and met him in the White House in August of 1990. A few days after Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait. Dude, they paid us to invade Iraq. Are you getting this? And that was because Saddam Hussein was like, what are you clowns doing? working with them. So up until even now today Arabs are all over Texas in regards to oil. They're not in North Dakota, funny enough, but they because North Dakota is one of the leading, you know, uh, oil production. Khalid bin Mahfouz was the money man, the sugar daddy for George Bush and Osama bin Laden. And he still Mahfuz, his, you know, even though gone, he still has tons of estate property in Houston, and it flanks Push 41's place in Houston, and what's so crazy is, is that Bath, the plain guy, he was actually... Uh, like a political advisor of Bush 41 and he got a loan for 1.4 million dollars from Mahfouz in 90 that he dropped into the Bush campaign it's like oh my god and this all happened under the guys with the Secretary of Treasury, John Connolly. These guys worked together. And here's the thing. They're co-investors in Houston's main bank, right? They're both, you know, Bath was like the president at that time now, like in the 90s, of Skyway Aircraft Leasing. Because, you know, he dealt in, like, uh, you know, jets and stuff like that. And he had the only air charter company, get this, that would fly people, get this, to the Virgin Islands and Cayman Islands all the time. And that's from the real owner on paperwork, where you could see it, was actually Mahfouz. And so when Salem bin Laden, Osama's brother, who died in 1988... You know, and own part of Houston Gulfport Port because Osama bin Laden's brother was in business with Bush and his buddy Bath that made that airport. It was transferred to Mahmouds, and Osama bin Laden's attack on America in nine eleven. Right? It quickly when when it happened, we were like, we're freezing all the bank accounts connected to Osama bin Laden and Khalid bin Mahmouds, right? And a host of Islamic charities, right? We shut them down. But here's the thing. Did they shut down the Bush accounts? Because Kalim bin Mahfuz had a ton. And when I say a ton, a ton of banking relationships, company relationships with the Bushes. So tell me again. How come the Bush family assets weren't seized by the U.S. government when they were the ones trading with the enemy? So they shut down the ones that supposedly had Khalid bin Mahfuz, but not the ones that were 50-50 with Bush and Khalid bin Mahfuz. Are you getting this? This is what Mueller was covering up, you guys. He wasn't covering up for the Saudis. So this article that I'm putting together is going to blow your mind with documentation. This is going to be insane. You do get this, right? The New, York, the New York Post did a good job saying God, but it was not the Saudis. This is why they're throwing the Saudis. I told you guys yesterday, why in the world would the Saudis attack the United States of America when they disowned Osama bin Laden? They didn't. When we say inside job, it's legit inside job. It's the Bushes that did it. And the reason this investigation was closed right quick by the same guy who apparently for his daddy headed the criminal division to sort this whole banking debacle up, you know, the whole money laundering that the Bushes did, the whole we're working with the Saudis, we're investing in Kuwait, we're investing in Bahrain before we invade, The whole insider trading, he needed to cover that up. I mean, we couldn't have a sitting president be the actual bank for 9-11, could we? But we did. It's about time we say it. Controversial or not, these are facts. Can't hide the facts. Period. Done. Dusted. You cannot hide the facts. The Bushes funded 9-11. The Saudis were just their partners. They were just about making money. But in the course of things, as the Bushes made money, they also paid to kill American citizens and they are sitting there pretty and they are raking in their pensions and Mueller knows every single piece of that and he is disgusting. Every single person that helped hide what the Bushes were part of, they should have taken responsibility, is disgusting and they should be held accountable. That includes the Clintons because they were part of these investments too. And more so the banks. This is what needs to be mainstream. This is what has to be out there. We need to put their feet to the fire. Now we know what happened. Our sitting president, the one that was reading like, books to children, right? Playing dumb on 9 11, like he didn't know what was going on, even though the dollars that were in on those attacks were his own, his own dollars. His own dollars, just like his grandfather's own dollars, helped kill Jews around the world. He helped kill Americans on 9-11 with his money. And now everyone's like, oh, it's the Saudis. Yeah, but it was the Bushes too. On that note, I want to tell everyone, God bless. Have a wonderful evening. And um, if you watch me on InfoWars, on the Millie Weaver, uh, go to Millie Weaver. It's uh, Millennial Millie or InfoWars. I apologize for the atrocious lighting and the bad angle. I promise I don't look so crazy. And my hair was bad, too. But the information was good, though, right? I love Millie Weaver. You guys should subscribe to her. On that note, from everyone at Red State Talk Radio, I want to wish you a great evening. God bless. See you here tomorrow, same time, same place.
5: in Tennessee, a long way from the suits in D.C., but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mounds get steeper, they grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to there.